Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we discuss Antonio Brown rumors part two, the strange quarterback carousel that we have now witnessed. But first, Shaq Barrett took to the radio waves with Sirius XM's NFL radio to discuss his comments about waiting on a long-term deal before signing the franchise tag. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Jericho, joined as always by Bailey Adams. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at BaileyJAdams22, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story is Shaq Barrett was a guest on Sirius XM's NFL radio discussing his future with the Buccaneers and his comments about signing the franchise tag. Closer to getting a long-term deal. Are you closer to signing the franchise tag? Where are we at right now, man? Uh, long-term probably be pretty hard with the situation of the world right now. So I think we're we working on a deal, but it probably won't be long. And it be a little bit franchise tag. So, uh, you know, you said on NFL Network last week that it's about 50-50. We'll have a little more information on Friday. That was last Friday. It's come and gone. So I'd love if you could share some of that information with us. And, and secondly, obviously signing the tag doesn't preclude you from still negotiating that long-term deal. So why in your mind have you not executed it yet? We're still trying to work something out. But uh, I, uh franchise tag, it wasn't like 50. Like, if I don't get nothing done, I'm going to sign that for sure. But it's just uh, we still trying to work to get something done. And we were just going to wait to, uh, as long as we could we to get it done. Trying to get a long-term deal done, but if July 15th rolls around and you can't get one done, you will sign the tag. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> okay. So, so Bucks okay. fans, Brady, at least don't have to worry about whether or not he'll be part of the Buccaneers in 2020. We've cleared that up. So thanks for that, Shaq. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely it's, be here next year. <laughs> you sign a one-year prove-it deal. Some would look and go, well, he obviously proved it. That warrants a long-term deal. And as you said, you're still working on it, but it hasn't happened yet. Is it frustrating because of that? I mean, when you sign a one-year deal, the expectation is if you leave it on the football field, it's going to result in something. What's your level of frustration because of that? I mean, it is a little frustration because I did do everything I could do, and I tried to make it as easy as possible so, so that it wouldn't be, like, really nothing up in the air. But uh, I guess I guess I didn't do as much as I needed to do or as much as I thought I needed to do. So I, I don't mind having my back against the wall, but I do love security a lot more. July 15th, deadline to get a long-term deal done. You're hopeful that one will get done, but either way, you will be a member of the Bucks. You'll sign the tag and be a member of the Bucks in 2020. Yes, sir. Again, that was Shaq Barrett on Sirius XM NFL radio. And Bailey, David and I talked about this on Monday's episode, and, and you kind of heard the collective sigh of, of relief from Buccaneers fans. That there's no question that Shaq is, is going to be a Buccaneer in 2020. He's not going to hold out. He said he'd sign the franchise tag if need be, and he wants to, uh, you know, he wants to get a long-term deal done. Now, something that, that stood out to me in that, in that conversation was that Shaq said that he, he guesses he didn't do as much as he needed to do to earn that long-term deal. And quite frankly, that's not how I see it personally. And I'd love to get your opinion on this. I think what we're looking at is a situation where the Buccaneers say, look, we had the NFL's 
sack leader for 2019, but that's, that's the outlier. We need to see one more year on top of that. We had all these other moves that we were trying to make. We were trying to bring in a quarterback. We were trying to contend for a championship in 2020. So the smart thing for the short term as we work towards that long-term deal is to go ahead and slap the franchise tag on him. Don't let him hit free agency. I don't think there's any question the Buccaneers want Shaq in Tampa, but I I think Shaq did more than enough to earn that long-term deal. I, I, I don't think that it was his play that is preventing this deal from getting done. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's that's definitely the case. And he really did everything he could do short of having three good seasons in one good season. I mean, uh, maybe two good seasons in one good season. He really did, um, you know, put it all out there. And, and it really, like you said, it is the outlier. Um, you know, unfortunately, based on, you know, the amount of playing time he had in Denver, he just had this one Pro Bowl season where he led the league in sacks. But, yeah, I think you're, you're probably right on, on that. The Bucks for the short term, it made the most sense to slap the franchise tag on him. I do think, you know, he probably does deserve more than just the franchise tag. He deserves a little bit more stability um, and security in Tampa. And I still am kind of holding out hope. And I think, you know, he's holding out hope, obviously, that they're going to get something done. Maybe it's not going to be long term because of, you know, everything that's going on in the world and all that's kind of difficult right now. But you know, at least something that gives him a little bit more security than just playing on one year. Because what happens if he goes out this one year with no security and maybe has a down season or, you know, knock on wood, you know, suffers an injury that keeps him out for a couple games. um, And all of a sudden his stock has gone way down. So I can see why he's holding out hope for, you know, a, a different deal than just a franchise tag, but everyone should feel, you know, pretty comfortable with the fact that, you know, he wants to be in Tampa, the Bucks want him here, and he's going to be here, you know, regardless of, of the way he's here um, this, this year in 2020. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and we all expect big things out of Shaq Barrett. You know, he had a, a heck of a year in 2019. Now he's coming back to play in that same system under that same defensive coordinator. He's a little more comfortable. He should have Jason Pierre-Paul as his tag team partner on the opposite side for the full season, barring any kind of, you know, crazy injury. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, JPP doesn't doesn't have any any issues and and is able to play all 16 games should we get that many. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Evan Winter wrote it up for for Bucks Nation. David and I talked about it on our podcast. It, the the comments about him being 50-50 wasn't anything to really get upset or worried or concerned about. It was strictly a matter of he's trying to get this long-term deal done, but when push comes to shove, if July 15th rolls around, he's going to sign that tender and he's going to be a Buccaneer for at least one more season. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, Evan and I actually talked about this on our show. Um, we, we talked about it last week. Uh, the second to most recent episode that came out, you know, just kind of talking about that, that comment of 50-50. And I don't remember if I said it on the air, if I was just in our conversation after we recorded. But Evan and I were kind of talking, and I said, I think the other side of that 50-50 for Shaq is the potential to get a long-term deal done. I don't think that other side of the 50-50 was ever going to be a holdout of any kind. And it seemed like, you know, he kind of confirmed that with his comments uh, on Sirius XM that, no, the 50-50 wasn't any, anything like that. It was more, you know, he's hoping to get a different deal done. It's a Wednesday edition here of the Locked on Bucks podcast. James Yarko and Bailey Adams of Bucks Nation talking Shaq. And now 
Bailey, we stepped into a time machine. We're chilling in our DeLorean with our flux capacitor, and we've rewound the calendar a few months. You know, not real long. It'd be nice to get out of 2020 completely. But alas, here we are talking about Antonio Brown. Now, I didn't didn't ask to go back in time. I asked to go forward in time. Yeah, can can we just get – get us to the Tampa Bay Lightning hoisting the Stanley Cup in 2020? Can we just get to that oh, moment? Man. Yes, please. Can can that be a thing? It's been a while since we talked Lightning on Locked on Bucks. It has been. Maybe <laughs> maybe uh, next time you fill in for David, we'll get the host of Locked on Lightning to jump on here and we'll do a, a Bucks-Lightning crossover episode. Uh, yeah, talk, talk, a little, talk a little sticky puck, talk a little football. Sounds good um, to me. So, yeah, Antonio Brown rumors back in the news. This started with JT the Brick of Mad Dog Radio. And he said he was hearing that, uh, you know, he's hearing out of Tampa Bay that business is about to be booming, was how he put it in the tweet. Then Michael Lombardi chimes in and he says, I'm hearing the same. Well, that Michael Lombardi was a guest on uh, the Pat McAfee show, a favorite of both Bailey and myself. And uh, this is what he had to say about it. I will say this, though. I think, watch Tampa make, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa makes another move. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa, now that New England got Cam, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa made another move. Antonio Brown. Yeah, I did. I mean, here you go, boy. You can put two in. You know, you're like Sherlock Holmes with that. With that. No. <laughs> you think Antonio Brown's going down in Tampa because that conversation started early and Bruce was like, no, nah, no, nah, not for me, dog. I'm thinking there's the, they're chipping away. You know how Andy used to chip away at the wall at Shawshank, you know, chip, 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 you know? <laughs> I think there's some chipping going on down there. There you go. Yep, I think there's some chipping going on down there, Pat. I'm just saying keep your antennas up. You heard it here first. Just keep your antennas up. Is that breaking news right there? You're saying Antonio Brown? I'm, be- I'm saying that there's a lot of chipping going on down there, and it wasn't the kind you guys were doing on the golf course. <laughs> oh, uh, well, it wasn't- so that was Michael Lombardi on the Pat McAfee show. And um, look, Bailey, David and I talked about this. You and I have – I don't think you and I talked about it on the podcast, but, you know, we've talked about it plenty off, off air. Um, Antonio Brown to Tampa is a bad idea. And David and I just had the conversation about should the Bucks go after Josh Gordon? I would rather they go after Josh Gordon than Antonio Brown as far as a team fit, as far as salary, as far as ego, as far as locker room, as far as depth. I understand the talent that Antonio Brown possesses, but there's only one football. You're going to bring Antonio Brown into a locker room with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, a rookie in Tyler Johnson, Ronald Jones. Like, if any of those people were going to get upset about not getting the football, it would be Antonio Brown. And let's not forget, you know, a few weeks ago when David and I had Dan Lust on, a, a sports law attorney, he talked about the fact that Antonio Brown is still facing suspension by anyone, you know, by the league, if anyone were to sign him. So this is a bad idea all around. And Twitter was a, a buzz. 
But then, you know, thankfully, and, and, and I'll kick it over to you for this, you shared a tweet into our group chat and, and others have come out to say the same thing. It, uh, it looked like it was getting squashed pretty quick. Yeah, it, it did get squashed re- well, relatively quickly. And, you know, thankfully um, on that part, because <laughs> you and I had talked about, you know, what we we're going to talk about on this, this show today. And you said Antonio Brown. And I know you, you know, my reaction was, um, was not excited about it kind of the reason I've had a headache on and off today because it really is. It's just not a good idea. And it was Diana Rossini uh, from ESPN who kind of shot things down saying Tampa Bay is not interested in Antonio Brown per sources. You know, that's kind of echoing what uh, Jenna Lane of ESPN and Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, Greg Allman of The Athletic, you know, they all have said that, you know, back in, I think back in April when this first came up and Bruce Arians even squashed it himself back then saying, you know, we don't, it's not that there's no money, there's no fit, you know, it's not, you know, it's not going to happen. And yeah, sure. Coaches can, you know, change their minds. Coaches can kind of set up some smoke screens, but I don't think this is that kind of case. And I know Michael Lombardi is saying, keep your antennas up. I'm putting mine firmly down and going to bend it. So it can't go up on the Antonio Brown front because I don't think it's happening. I don't know why it would happen. That makes no sense. And you know, the Bucks, the Bucks roster as it is right now, I think is the closest I want it to be to a Madden roster because if you add Antonio Brown, it's just it's I don't think the dynamic's gonna work in, in the real in the real world. If we're talking Madden, that'd be fun, but that's not what this is. No, no, not at all. And you know, as as much of a generational talent as Antonio Brown appeared to be becoming there's something not right with him. And I mean that not as an insult, not as a shot at him. I mean, he legitimately has something wrong with his brain, whether that is a result of of possible concussions or if there's some sort of medication he needs to be on to straighten himself out that he just hasn't gotten or whatever the case may be but he needs professional help and I hope he gets it. I hope he gets back on track and, and starts heading down that straight and narrow because the Antonio Brown that we saw early on in the NFL is not the Antonio Brown that we've seen force his way out of Pittsburgh, then out of Oakland, then, you know, go over to new England for a week. He, he needs help and I hope he gets it. And maybe one day we'll see him on the field, but the 2020 Buccaneers, are not the team for him to come back on the field for it. Now, all that being said, let's, let's play the hypothetical game real quick, just cause it's fun. We're, we're talking about Antonio Brown potentially facing anywhere from four to an eight game suspension for off field issues. This was something that was being investigated and being uh, looked into when he was active with New England. This isn't something that popped up after he was re- released from, from the Patriots. So, let's say, and, and this is hypothetical land. I, I don't want to put any negativity into the air, so I'm not even going to say a, a name. But let's say a key offensive Buccaneers player goes down in, I don't know, week four, week five. Bailey, do you see a situation where Antonio Brown still doesn't have a team 
And now they need a playmaker on offense because they've lost one to injury. Can you see them working out something with Antonio Brown saying, look, we're going to give you the vet minimum. We're going to give you incentives. We're going to give you behavioral clauses in your contract that it can all be voided. You know, if you were to do, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then he serves his suspension. And now you have Antonio Brown for the last quarter of the season and into the playoff push. Or do you think they would just stick with, with being in house? You know, I don't know. I want to say no, like there's, there's no chance of it at all, but I can't really say no with, with the utmost confidence because, you know, there is that relationship with, with Tom Brady supposedly. And, um, I know there was rumors that Brady wanted him all along and I don't know how true those were or what the, the talks were around that, but it seems like there's some kind of, you know, weird thing between Brown and coach Arians and it just doesn't seem like the right fit, but in this hypothetical, you know, they'd have to at least think about it, I think, because, you know, if you lose one of your big name guys, especially where, you know, the times that we're in, um, you know, obviously knock on wood, you don't want to put that negativity out there, but anyone could go down with, with COVID during this season. Um, you know, with this with this pandemic still going on, you know, they're taking all the precautions necessary, but, you know, we're not out of the woods with this and there's always a chance. And if something like that were to happen or if an injury happened, you know, the Bucks would need either someone on their current roster to step up or they would have to look to the outside and, and find a free agent. Now, if it comes down to Antonio Brown or, you know, I don't know, someone else that's got less of a history than he does, you know, off the field and with all those issues that he has, you know, as much of a talent as Brown is, I'm still kind of leaning toward, you know, someone else. Um, but I can't say it's not a possibility, at least, um, if something like that were to happen because – Tom Brady, you know, would probably, you know, welcome him. Um, I'm sure, you know, the, the locker room as a whole, it's a bunch of good guys in there and they would, they would welcome him in. But I don't think it's the kind of risk that the Bucks need to take unless they absolutely have to. Yeah, and, and I think if, if any group of personalities could maybe possibly keep Antonio Brown's ego in check, it would be one comprised of – Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Ali Marpet, Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, those guys in the locker room, they'd be able to, I think, hopefully suppress a little bit of the selfishness if, if AB is, you know, starting to get a little uh, antsy or, or fidgety about not getting the football. But again, why play with fire? The Bucs have had such a phenomenal offseason. They've made such great moves. They had a really, really good draft. Why chance it? Why risk it? So I'm glad to see, you know, people coming out and, uh, you know, Stroud and, and Allman have come out and said the same things that, look, this has no legs. There's, you know, from who they've talked to, their sources, the Bucs are still not interested in Antonio Brown. It's not a, a player they want to pursue. It's not a personality they want to pursue. They're, they're happy with what they've done. And as Greg Allman pointed out, you know, Bruce Arians came out and said that he's not a good fit for this team. And a few weeks later, they drafted Tyler Johnson to fill that wide receiver role. So, you know, it's I, – I think it's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with talking about or hearing about until he signs somewhere. 
because people are always going to try to link him to Brady and, and how much he wanted to play with Brady and he only got to do it for a week. And, you know, they're apparently still still talking and still friends or whatever the case may be. But I just – the Bucks are always going to be the first team brought up when someone starts talking about Antonio Brown coming back to the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I hope he does get the help he needs and I hope that – you know, he can, you know, get back on track because I'd like to see him back in the league. I'd like to see, you know, the guy the guy with that much talent as a football fan, you know, you want to see guys like that in the league. But all the off-field stuff needs to get taken care of before that can happen, obviously. Um, but as far as where he would sign, you know, I think it would be fun. I think it would be fun to see him on the field again as long as it's not in the NFC South. Real quick before we move on, Bailey, would you buy an Antonio Brown jersey if he were to sign with the Buccaneers and return a punt against the Saints and proceed to kick their punter in the face? No, but I'd probably laugh. Okay, just asking. It's a Wednesday edition here of the Locked on Bucks podcast, and we're going to wrap things up today talking about this weird NFL quarterback carousel that we have now seen unfold to completion Tom Brady from New England to Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston from Tampa Bay to New Orleans. Teddy Bridgewater from New Orleans to Carolina. And now Cam Newton from Carolina to New England. So the good news is, right off the top, I still get to hate the New England Patriots because of how much I absolutely loathe Cam Newton. So that's exciting news. Um, the Patriots have been pretty, pretty steadfast in their belief in Jared Stidham being their starting quarterback. Bailey, is there any chance at all that Cam Newton is not the week one starter for the Patriots? You know, unless there's some kind of health issue still, and then he's not, you know, fully ready for whatever reason, you know, it seems like he is. But if there's something health-wise that keeps him out, that would be the only way, I think. I think he's starting week one if he's healthy. Here's what I'm interested in saying. Because I'm hoping this is the fiery train wreck that I think it will be. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. You can throw out uh, you know, Tom Landry and and – Don Shula and whoever else you want. Now I can't even remember the, the 49ers coach. Help me out, Bailey. Oh, no. Oh, no. Anyway, <laughs> you, you all know who I'm talking about. Um, Bill Belichick has been so phenomenal, doing so much with so little for so long. And you can say the same about Tom Brady. We've had that conversation. We're not getting into that right now. But Bill Belichick is all about show up, do your job, hold each other accountable, win championships. Cam Newton is probably the most selfish, egotistical quarterback this league has seen in the last mm, 20 years with his stupid 
pointing for first downs, his stupid Superman stuff, his cowardice in a Super Bowl to not jump on a fumble because he was scared, then to act like a complete crybaby in the post-game press conference, his goofy outfits that he wears for attention, then wants to get an attitude with reporters after they lose and they're criticizing any kind of mistake, laughing at a female reporter saying, it's funny to hear a woman talking about routes. This guy is the worst. How on earth are Cam Newton and Bill Belichick going to coexist? Bill Walsh. Thank you, Bailey. That is why you're my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how they're going to coexist, honestly. And I don't really have all of the same uh, things to say about Cam Newton as you do. I don't really have as strong of an opinion on him. But there's no denying that he's a personality. And it's not a, he's not a personality that necessarily, you know, lends itself to, you know, really vibing with Bill Belichick. Because, you know, we've seen Bill Belichick, even though, I don't know, he's been a little different lately. You know, the, the stunt he pulled with the dog uh, at the draft. And, I don't know, he's just kind of been a little bit, I don't know, funnier lately to me. I don't know. There's something going on with him. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a weird kind of relationship. And I think it's one that, you know, if, you know, Cam is, you know, the Cam from a couple years ago and they're winning games, it's going to be a relationship that works. But if they're losing – I think things can go south pretty quickly. Oh, and, and to add to that list, I'd also like to mention, can he just for once tweet out something that's not in <laughs> wingdings? I was wondering. If, I, was, I was waiting for you to bring that up during your long tirade. I, I could go on for about 10 more minutes. <laughs> I'm sure you that can. guy is the worst. The absolute worst. Now, having said all of that, and personal feelings aside, when you have a healthy Cam Newton out on the field, he is a weapon. He is a dangerous, dangerous weapon. Adding that with the mind of Bill Belichick and the mind of Josh McDaniel could immediately put the Patriots back in you know, contender status. The biggest question among all this is not – you know, what flavor of gum is Cam chomping on? You'll find out because the guy has to open his mouth as wide as humanly possible to show you the gum he's chewing. It's where is he as far as his health is concerned? Because I still remember getting brutally attacked on the Bucks Nation Twitter account during a Bucks Panthers game when I simply said, Cam Newton looks like he's putting every ounce of strength he has into these passes, and they're only going 15 yards. And, of course, Panthers fans came out of the woodworks. Why don't you worry about your quarterback throwing to the right team? Why don't you worry about the <clears> – I didn't mean it as an insult. I meant it strictly as he does not look right. And then a few weeks later, it starts to come out, he's dealing with this shoulder issue. So – the biggest question, and, and we're not going to be able to see for a little while anyway, where is his arm strength? Where is his health? Because a quarterback that treats his body the way a linebacker does is not 
going to last in this league long. And we saw a rapid, rapid deterioration with Cam Newton. So a healthy Cam Newton makes the Patriots a very, very dangerous team. A Cam Newton that is 60, 70% his former self, I think is a pedestrian quarterback at best, leaving the Patriots to be a pedestrian team. Yeah, I agree. And you know, if he's if he's what he was, you know, as his body was breaking down, whether it was the shoulder or his foot, whatever the issues were, if he's that quarterback, I I do think we see Jared Stidham eventually. Um, you know, whatever the Patriots record may be at that point, I don't know. But if yeah, if he's if he's the Cam Newton of old, you know, that's that's a good team that, that the Patriots already have and he's going to make them even better. I still wouldn't put them on par with, you know, a team like the Ravens or a team like the Chiefs, even with, like, that level of Cam Newton. But, you know, they'd definitely be in the conversation around them, and they could definitely compete with those teams and, you know, maybe beat them. All right. Well, Bailey, that is going to do it for us on this episode. Real quick, uh, you know, speaking of, of Lightning and Buccaneers crossovers, like to send a congratulations to former Buccaneer Danny Vitale and his wife Kaylee Chelios, a Tampa Bay Lightning radio analyst who welcomed their baby girl uh, during during this COVID nineteen pandemic. It, it looks like she was born about a week ago, a uh, week to ten days. So congratulations to them, and uh, you know, like <clears throat> like to see uh, you know Danny Danny doing well, and of course Kaylee does a phenomenal job for the Tampa Bay Lightning on the radio. So with that, we are out of here. Please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're checking Bailey out as well as our own Evan Winter on the North and South podcast. You can follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at BaileyJAdams22, at Bucks underscore Nation. Send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. And now that you finish this episode, check out Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, anywhere you can find your favorite podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to one another. And we thank you so much for joining us right here 